Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. John's Gospel in the New Testament, chapter 10. And we're going to get to a passage in just a few moments here. And um, man, I know we've sang that song a few times, um, but there is something so freeing in when we realize that we are no longer a slave to sin. Uh, that Romans 6 says we are free. And not because we are able to overcome sin, not because we're good enough or strong enough or, or, or willpower or any other things. It is solely because of the amazing power of Christ that his death, burial, and resurrection offered to us when received by grace through faith will strengthen us to overcome sin in this world. And so, man, we are so amazingly blessed to have that reality in our lives. And there's a Man, I tell you, when we get to the line about you split the seas, dude, head to toe, goosebumps, head to toe every time. I don't know if anybody else is there, but man, I just, it's just such an emotional moment to realize. And I know, again, if you take it out of context, well, I'm so amazing. God splits the seas for me. No, 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 no. No, God splits the seas because he is glorified when the seas are split and we get to walk right through and say, it wasn't me, it was him. I didn't get myself through it because there was another in the fire, right? There was another in the fire. I love that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they're thrown in a fiery furnace because they refused to kneel and worship an idol. And I love when they look in and said, hey, time out. How many do we throw in there? We throw three in there? Well, yeah, we threw three in there. Well, that's crazy because there's a fourth one walking around. And it looks like as unto the Son of God. See, when we go through hard times and struggles, then we need to know that if you're in Christ, he is with you. If you don't know Christ as your savior, he desires to be with you. He is, he is calling to you this morning to trust in him. This week, we kind of challenged you guys to uh, write a list and put together a list. And, and maybe you weren't here last week or whatever, and you weren't aware of this. That's fine. No pressure. You're like, oh man, there was homework. I didn't do the homework. Right? I need to go to the restroom really quick or, you know what I mean? Like it's when you're in Sunday school and like the teachers having everybody read a verse, right? And you're all reading two verses or something and you're looking around the circle. When I was in youth group in Sunday school, they used to do this. We'd go to a passage and the uh, youth leader would say, okay, uh, you know, you, Billy, whatever. I don't know why Billy always gets picked as a name, but Billy, uh, you're going to read verses one and three, one through three. You're going to read four, five, and six, you're gonna, and so on. And what do you do if you're in that group? You look ahead, right? And you start counting. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Okay. So, okay. And you start reading, man, just over and over again, your three verses, like, I am not going to mess this up in front of everybody. Okay. Whenever I tried that, it was always verses from like Leviticus or like Exodus. And it was like these crazy names. And I would just literally they'd get to me. I'd be like, okay, and this guy begot this person and this woman and this guy, they got married. And the youth leader would be like, well, that's not really what it says. And I'm like, well, I'm just paraphrasing. It's fine. You know what it means. We have to go to the bathroom all of a sudden. Like, oh, you know what? I would do my three verses, but I have to go to the restroom for the next 45 minutes. Right? Like, it's like I got to get out of here. So it's not that kind of homework. Okay. But I would like to just kind of throw it out there. If, if anybody did uh, have an opportunity this week to just even a little bit, maybe you didn't do it every day. Maybe your list is two or three things. Maybe it's 25 things. Maybe it's 50 things. I don't know. But I, I just want to kind of throw it out there. If, if there's anyone that did do that this week, uh, man, did you, did you notice as you were putting that list together that, that you had a peace that started to kind of maybe take residence in your life? 
Maybe you had a bad thing going on in your life or a bad situation, and the more you dwelt on the blessings of God in Christ, the stuff was still there, right? When we start focusing on the blessings, the bad things don't go away. The trials don't go, well, they're focusing on blessings. I might as well quit. That's not how that works. But we can start to maybe shift our focus, shift our attention off of the, the trial for that moment or that, that minute or that hour or that day. And we shift it back to the blessings and we go, God, I know this is not a good situation. I don't want to be here right now in this season, in this trial. But I'm so thankful that in God, in Christ, you have blessed me in this way. And I pray that it wasn't just a thankful list either, where you just said, I'm thankful for this. I'm, I'm thankful for indoor plumbing. I'm thankful for this or that, right? Which we should all be thankful for indoor plumbing. If you're not, there's something kind of maybe a little off, okay? Who likes to go outside in Michigan in the winter and use the bathroom? I mean, come on, it's an obvious blessing. But when we focus on just the thankful thing, and just the thing I'm thankful for, and we don't connect it to that next step. What's that next step? Not just, God, this is a blessing that you've given me in Christ. I want to take a moment and actually acknowledge how are you glorified in this blessing? Not just is it a blessing to me, which is great, but how are you actually glorified in this blessing in Christ? So that it's not just me being thankful for things. It's me being aware that your glory is above all things. That even greater than my blessing is your glory. And that's why we can say that even in the things that aren't defined as good in our culture today or our understanding of good, we can say, God, this is a blessing because you are glorified. Isn't that crazy to think about? That you come through the fire and you don't even have the smell of smoke on you, the Bible says. It wasn't a good experience, a good situation, but they said, you know what? God is glorified in this. Now, sometimes God rescues through the fire right? He, he brings us through the trial. Sometimes God rescues before the trial. We never even have to go through it. And sometimes he puts us through it and we don't come out the other end. These are, these are realities of life, but here's the beauty of it. In Christ, it doesn't really matter whether it's through the fire before, or you just get to go see him during. He is with us. He is with us. And so I, I just want to kind of lay it out there again. If you, if you didn't have a chance to do that this week, I pray that you will spend some time this week um, doing that. And, and I was debating about, you know, asking, you know, to raise your hand if you did have a chance to do that this week. But I kind of been thinking about that this morning. I don't want to embarrass anyone, so we won't do that. But, um, and I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed if they didn't get a chance to do it. But, but let's just dwell on that this week. Let's really ask God, God, would you just show me your blessings this morning, not really uh, as a series or anything, but just kind of in connection to that, um, I was kind of led to a passage that is a great blessing in Christ that we have, a, a great benefit and a gift that God gives us. And that is the idea that God speaks to us, that God speaks to us. Now, let's be honest for a moment. There's a lot of voices that try to speak to us in the course of a week, aren't there? You ever stop and think about all the influences and voices and that try to encourage, talk to us and encourage us and distract us and discourage us? I mean, it's, there are so many things that are pulling at us. I mean, if you have your phone or a device, and if you're like most people nowadays, the first thing you do in the morning is you check your, your phone, right? You jump on Facebook or whatever, social media, or maybe it's news, whether it's weather, whatever. Um, I do hope that at some point the Bible app gets open, right? We always want to encourage that. But we're constantly just like having all these voices and influence speaking into our lives. And they're not all bad. There are some that I would encourage maybe less of, but they're not bad necessarily. 
but there's so many voices coming at us. And, and let's just be real for a second. I know, I know sometimes it's easy to come in church and just kind of put on a smile and everything's good, right? Nope, brother, everything's fine. Never been better. Living the dream, right? But really, you just are just torn by different voices that are speaking into your life. If we're, not, if we're, if we're really aware of that, we can be honest to say, man, it's con- kind of confusing, some of the voices that are coming into our life. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about how do we identify the voice we really should be following. We can hear the other voices, but when it comes to obedience, we need to be focused on one voice that leads us, that we obey that one voice. And then through that one voice, we kind of see the other influences through that lens. And then we can discern by the work of the Holy Spirit, what voices we should listen to, what voices we shouldn't listen to. But ultimately, there is one voice we must obey. We must obey. To kind of show this, I have a little illustration. How many of you guys saw this on Facebook last night or this morning? Raise your hand. I will ask you to raise your hand for that one because that's pretty easy, okay? A couple of people, okay. Um, you're probably like, what is that? What does this look like to you? A bottle with water in it, right? There you go. And a ketchup packet, okay? Pretty simple, okay? This is, I, I went to Bible college. This is where you learn things like this, just so you know. This was like 16-hour course right here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what I want to do is I want to use this as a little illustration to speak to the idea of obeying the voice of God, like lifting the voice of God above the other voices, above the other influences, so that we're able to identify what voice we should obey and what voice we shouldn't obey, okay? So... I'm going to set it down here because just so you guys can see it, I don't shake it all over the place. Okay, so ketchup packet, normal ketchup packet. It's not a super special ketchup packet. It's not injected with anything. Well, I mean, it's injected with a lot of things, but not anything that's going to, you know, cause it to be different than a normal ketchup packet. The people at Speedway, by the way, this is a plug for Speedway Gas Station on uh, 53 and Newark Road. Great people. They, they just gave me this ketchup packet. Wasn't that nice of them to just give me the ketchup packet? The lady was looking at me. I said, I went to the counter to buy some stuff, and I put stuff down. I put the ketchup packet down. No hot dog, no nothing. Not that you should never eat a hot dog from a gas station. I'm just going to tell you that now. If you're ever that hungry, please call me. I'll get you some food, okay? Don't do that to your body. Don't. It's not good. Um, but I set it down, and the woman was kind of, hmm, just a ketchup packet, huh? And I just asked her. I said, hey, listen. I said, I know this might sound really weird. Because I'm just this kind of guy. I don't know. Can you just take a ketchup packet? Is that allowed? Like, is that, do you have to pay? If you don't have the hot dog, can you just take the ketchup packet? Or is that stealing? I don't know. So I said, would it be okay if I just had this ketchup packet? I can pay you for it if you want, okay? You might say, that's ridiculous. That's just how my brain works. And she said, "Uh, no, you can just have it. That's fine. And then she said, do you just, like, what? I mean, she's probably thinking, do you just really love ketchup? Like, and you just want a little shot of ketchup to get you through the morning. I don't know. So I said, I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, I, yeah, it's all good. Um, but I said, well, it's actually for an illustration for a sermon. And she was like, oh. And at first she said, I'm sorry, first she said, she looked at Josiah because he was with me. She said, is the ketchup packet for you? And I was like, oh, no, no, it's for me. What are you talking about? It's my ketchup packet. He can't have it. It's mine. Um, I didn't say that. But I did say it's for me. So here's a little illustration. So uh, the voice of God is a voice that we have to obey, right? And everybody can see the ketchup packet, okay? Right? You guys can see it? Okay. So if I'm, if I'm God and this ketchup packet represents the follower of Christ, if I said to the ketchup packet, and we'll see if this works. So if it doesn't work, we're going to put the bottle away and we're just going to move on, okay? And you're going to be like, wow, that was the best illustration I've ever seen for the people on the recording, okay? So 
when you think about this, if I said to the ketchup packet, ketchup packet, I want you to go down to the bottom of the bottle and stay there. Okay? I want you to go to the bottom of the bottle and stay there. If I'm God and that's a Christian, what should the ketchup packet do? And stay there, right? So let's try this. You ready? Okay. If it doesn't work, blame Sandra. Okay. Ketchup packet. I want you to go to the bottom of the bottle and stay there. Okay, good. Ketchup packet. Go ahead and go back to the top of the bottle. Okay. Really glad that worked, okay? Let's try another one. Let's do a little trickier, a little trickier, okay? Ketchup packet. I want you to go to the bottom, and then I want you to come about halfway up and stay there. Okay? So we're going all the way to the bottom, and then we're going to stop about halfway up on your way back up. Okay? So ketchup packet. Go ahead and go down all the way to the bottom. Now about halfway back up. Let's see if we can do it a little more. A little more and stop right about there. Okay. Now, this ketchup packet is more obedient than most Christians, okay? For being honest, okay? Ketchup packet, go back to the top. Now, nothing magical on the bottom. There's nothing here, okay? Just easier to hold it there. So, the ketchup packet, pretty obedient, right? That's one voice, though. Do we have just one voice speaking into our lives? Right. We have other voices. And so I'm going to need a volunteer to be another voice. And so I'm going to have Tim come up. I made sure it was okay with Tim that I call him up here. He was so excited. Yes. Give Tim a hand. He hasn't even done anything, but give him a hand. Yes. Okay. You can stand over there, bud. Okay. So we're going to try the same thing. Okay. Tim is going to command the ketchup packet. So I want you to just channel your inner ketchup packing controlling powers. Okay. Now listen, if it's yeah, yeah. He's like, I tell mustard what to do all the time. I've never commanded ketchup. Now, if it doesn't work, I don't want you to like put me in a headlock or anything like that. Okay. I don't want you to like, you know, choke me out or anything. Okay. So, so try, try to command the ketchup packet to do something you want it to do. Anything. Anything. Ketchup packet go to the left. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait. So try again. Do, let's try going to the bottom. That was something I did already. So let's try that. Ketchup packet go to the bottom of the bottle. Maybe it broke. Okay. Let me, try, let me try again. Let me try again. Ketchup packet. Go to the bottom of the bottle. Okay. Well, it's working. Go ahead and tell it to go back up. Maybe we'll do that. Ketchup packet. Go back up. Ketchup packet. Go to the top. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Good try. Good try. If it was mustard. That's right. If it was mustard, he'd be fine. Give him a hand. Now, Super simple illustration, right? Super simple. But I truly believe that if we looked at obedience to the voice of God, that simply, man, I think our lives would be so much more full of peace and joy and contentment and fruits. Doesn't mean other voices won't speak into our lives, right? Even voices that are good voices, that are, that are friendly voices, that, that don't ask us to do crazy things, that even ask us maybe to do things that are good things. But if we're not careful, if we elevate other voices to the same level as the voice of God in our lives, what will happen is we get confused and we end up just going all over the place. Now, if anybody wants to try this after, okay, and you want to try to see if you can get the bottle to do it, any of the kids that want to try this, it'll be up here. You're welcome to try that. But I want you to look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And I want to read a few verses here to kind of put this into perspective from, from God's point of view. So John chapter 10 and verse 1. 
So John chapter 10 and verse 1, love this passage. Many of your Bibles uh, most likely have a kind of a subtitle uh, over chapter 10. It says, Jesus the Good Shepherd. Something like that. I tell you what, he is a, not just a good shepherd. I don't like that. I know they say that because that's what Jesus says, that he is the good shepherd. Man, I think he's a great shepherd. I think he's an amazing shepherd. The, the, the Christ is the shepherd over us, and he will guide us and lead us, even in ways we don't understand. I mean, Psalm 23, right? God makes me to lay down in green pastures. I kind of like that because it's, it's God makes me. There's sometimes I don't want to lay down. I don't want to rest. But God says, no, trust me, you need this. And it's so good that he doesn't just think about what we want. He thinks about what we need. And that's how he's a great shepherd and a good shepherd because he thinks of the sheep more than what we ask of him. He thinks and goes above and beyond. And he even does what we don't even know we need yet. That's a good, good shepherd. John chapter 10 and verse 1. Verily, I, or sorry, verily, verily. And just in case you don't know what that means, um, you're tr- you might have a translation to something different. But verily, verily uh, is basically a way of getting attention. Okay? It's, it's, it's kind of getting the audience's attention, getting their, their attention on what he's going to say. You need to listen to what I'm going to say is the way you could say that. Listen to me. Listen to me. Uh, in the original language, it carries the idea of if you see a verse end with amen, uh, what that means is everything that was just said is truth. And so let it go be. Let it go forth. So whatever was just said, go let that live out in your lives. Verily, verily is like an amen at the beginning. It's like, hey, what I'm going to tell you is true, so you need to listen, okay? And notice how he repeats it. Verily, verily. Do you know why he repeats it? Because there's men in the audience, okay? (laughs) Just being real, okay? It's amazing when you read the Bible, God calls a woman's name once. Mary, okay? Hannah. It's men, it's like Abraham, Abraham. Right? Isaac, Isaac. Like he always repeats the names. Why? Because men don't listen the first time. Okay? But anyway, that's a whole nother sermon. So, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he knows your name. By the way, not just your human name. He knows your eternal name. He knows your new name, which is written in the Lamb's book of life. It says it's by name, and leads them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would reveal by the working of your Holy Spirit the truth that we find in this passage. Father, I pray that you would help us to know and to discern for ourselves what voices we are giving ourselves over to. Father, I, I, I couldn't ask If I tried to plan it, Lord, I couldn't ask for uh, Renee to share a more fitting verse to prep our hearts and to prepare our minds for the word that you have for us, that whoever we give ourselves over to, whoever we, we follow and obey, we become the servant of that that we obey. And if it's sin, we're the servant of sin. And if it's righteousness, we're the servant of righteousness. If we will obey the voice of God consistently by grace, and I pray that we would not see this as a, as a I do this performance and God does this 
results. No, 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 no. It's I humbly, by the grace that you give me, respond to the voice of God, which I can only hear because you have saved me. Not because I saved myself, but because you saved me. And so I pray that we would be aware this morning of the voices we're listening to, the voice of sin, the voice of self, the voice of the world, uh, the voice of convenience and comfort, the voice of, of selfishness. All these can be so loud. But I know that when we will still our hearts and minds on the things of God, that you will speak sometime in a loud voice, sometime in a still, small whisper. Whatever it is, I pray that we be in tune and attentive to your word as you speak to us. Father, bless now this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so to understand here, John chapter 10, verse 1 through 6 is a great story about Jesus being this shepherd, that there are sheep that are his, that he knows, and he calls them by name. And so to understand just a little bit more about hearing God's voice, we have to recognize some things. And so I'm going to give you some things uh, sort of quickly this morning. So I pray if you're taking notes, go ahead and write these down. Uh, so to understand what it means to hear God's voice, we must first understand we must be his sheep. Okay, we must be his sheep. The truth is his sheep hear his voice. We read verses 4 and 5 already. Go over in John chapter 10 to verse 27. Verse 27. So to hear the voice of God, we must be his sheep. Verse 27 of John 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Man, I, I, I love that. Anybody that tells you that you can lose your salvation, just take them to John 10 and say, hey, listen, if you're right, what did John MacArthur say? If I could lose my salvation, I would. Right? Amen? I, I, I would have lost it a few times over if we're being real this morning. But what does Jesus say? Hey, listen, you are in my hand and my hand is in the father's hand and no one can pluck you out of my father's hand. And you know why? Because my father and I are one. You are my sheep. And I will, by the way, Jesus never loses a sheep. He never loses a one. He keeps a track of them. Now, do sheep or as sheep, may we wander? Sure. And we're going to get to that in a little bit here, but I'm promising you this, and it's not a promise on my understanding, it's on God's word. He will never let you get too far. If you are his, now understand, there are some that maybe think they're his and aren't, but if you are his, he is yours, and he is the good shepherd. He will not let you get too far. He will bring conviction and conditions to draw you back to him and to his grace. So here we see, to hear the voice of God, we must be his sheep. Now, this might seem obvious to you, but the truth is we have to have, and we do have in Christ, the relationship with the shepherd because we are his. This doesn't mean we are better than those that aren't his. We merely responded to the call of grace in faith. The word know in this passage of John 10, that he knows us, this word know speaks more, or I'm sorry, speaks to more than an intellectual knowledge. It's not just, I know this person. Like, like I know Vic, or I know so-and-so, I just know them. It actually goes deeper than that. It's an intimate relationship 
between God and his people. Uh, Write down, if you're taking notes, John chapter 17, verse 3. We see that again, this idea of this intimate knowledge between God and his people. John 17, of course, is Jesus' prayer before going to the cross. So Jesus is teaching his disciples that, that there are sheep that are his and sheep that are not his. But the problem with this is the disciples have a mindset that, what's great, then all the sheep that are yours are sheep that we think are sheep. See, for the disciples and for even some of those in Israel, they tended to think, well, the Jews, Christ is all for, but those Gentiles, he's not really for them. Or those Samaritans who we don't like, he's not really for them. A Samaritan could never be a sheep of God. I mean, that person over there, that one way out there, that person could never be a sheep of God. They could never be saved. They're too far gone. I'm just so thankful that God didn't project the same thoughts we have on others against us. Because, man, we do this. And I think it's great that we can grow up in church and be in church and have a heritage of church or be saved for a long period of time. But, but Christian, be careful, because I think sometimes the longer we're in church, we start to think we're actually better than people who aren't saved. And we start to look down on them and condemn them and judge them. I'm not saying we don't discern between right and wrong, evil and good. Of course we do. And there's consequences for those things. But to sit back and go, well, man, I never sinned like they sinned. God could never save them. Look at what they did. As though the Bible suggests anything other than the fact that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. And we all equally need his grace. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples. Listen, by the way, there are some sheep that aren't of this fold, that aren't with this group, but they're still my sheep. So you understand that Jesus was suggesting and teaching that even those outside of Israel, even those who were not Jews, the Gentiles, were going to be saved. And the beauty of that, that's you and I today. When Jesus said there are sheep that will come in that aren't of this fold, he was speaking about the church that we will become followers of Christ. We are his sheep. You may have heard it culturally shared that the idea of this parable or this teaching, um, some have said the word allegory is maybe a better English word than parable. Um, It's a matter of opinion, I would say, or preference. Um, It is an allegory, okay, because it's, you know, this is like this and this is like that. But when you think about it, some people have suggested, and so your translation may have the word allegory instead of parable. Um, it's still basically an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So I'm not going to split hairs over that. But the idea is this isn't necessarily a literal event that took place. He's not accounting a literal thing. Like He's not talking about a specific shepherd and a specific group of sheep. He's speaking generally to something that they would see all the time in their culture. This story, they would go, yes, I've seen shepherds do this. I've seen sheep do this. I've, I've seen, I'm familiar with this situation. And as he's teaching them this story, culturally understanding this, what would happen is the sheep would go into this sheepfold, or it's basically just an enclosure, and they would be there overnight. And the shepherd would go sleep, and the porter would be the one that would kind of be like the manager or the overseer of this sheepfold during the night. And in the morning when the shepherd would come back, sometimes other sheep from other folds would wander into that sheepfold, that enclosure. And the Bible tells us what would happen. The shepherd would call out his sheep by name. See, they weren't branded or marked like cattle. They were just responding to the voice of their shepherd. Isn't that amazing? The shepherd would just call out his sheep by name and those specific sheep would follow him. The others wouldn't even care. They're not listening because it's not their shepherd. See, this is how God resembles our relationship to him. 
that we are supposed to follow the voice of our shepherd, that we respond to his call, whether it's for salvation or whether it is for obedience in the Christian life. Now, the reality is this, and I want to address this because I think maybe some of us are already going here. There are times when Christians may respond to the voice of a, quote, stranger for a season. But the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit will always draw them back to truth in time. The reality is a, a sheep, a, a Christian, may for a season, and we've, by the way, we know this is true. Why? Because I've responded to the voice of a stranger before when I knew I shouldn't have. Whether that stranger was my own flesh, sin, uh, whatever, culture, worry, fear, okay, hate-mongering and all these other things that we kind of get drawn into. We may respond to the voice of a stranger for a season, but the Holy Spirit will draw them back in time to truth. J. Vernon McGee said this in regards to this idea. He said this, I believe that you can fool some of God's people some of the time. Now, we know that's true. I believe that you can fool some of God's people some of the time. But I don't think you can fool God's people all the time. For a time, God's sheep may think they hear him, but eventually discover that it is not his voice. Then they will turn to the teaching of the word of God because they know their shepherd. See, we have to be careful here. When we say this idea of God speaking to us, it's grounded in the word of God. When I say God speaks to us, I don't, I'm not implying or even suggesting it's audible. I don't believe it's an audible voice that we hear today. I believe God speaks through the moving of the Holy Spirit as we get into God's word. And he, I only can call it like a nudge. <laughs> you ever have a Holy Spirit nudge? Anybody ever have a Holy Spirit nudge? You ever heard the nudge and went, not today? Or maybe, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. Thank you, Lord, for leading me this way. That's what I mean when he speaks to us. We get in God's word and the Holy Spirit of God begin to open our minds to these things and we start feeling that leading and we just step out by faith and God begins to open doors of opportunity as we see him being faithful to do so. Maybe again, things don't go the way we want. We're stepping out by faith. We're following. We're obeying God's voice, but things just aren't falling like we think they should. That's okay. You trust the Savior's heart when you don't see his hand. When you don't see God working the way you want him to, we go, but God, I know you've called me to this because of your word. See, again, this is where it has to be grounded in the word of God. If it's individually based, it's all over the place. If it's emotionally based, it's all over the place. If it's experience based, it's all over the place. But if it's grounded in the truth of God's word, man, that's our standard. That's our foundation. And then God beautifully takes the word of God and speaks it into our heart and then he shapes us and forms us and we find our own way of following him at times as far as in our calling or our careers or whatever. And it might look a little different. This doesn't mean, by the way, you might say, well, you know what? I believe God spoke to me that I'm going to pick on something that's pretty basic. I, I shouldn't go to the movies. God, God's word spoke to me on that. I shouldn't go to the movies. And so this person, this Christian who goes to the movies, obviously they're listening to a voice of a stranger, not the voice of God. So therefore they should listen to the voice of God. I'm going to pray for them. I'm not removing the idea of individual convictions. God may lead you in some way. God may direct you in some way in a specific area for a season that someone else just isn't there yet. That's okay. We don't beat each other up. or don't tear each other down. We just go, God, thank you for speaking to me in this way. And then we ask God to continue to lead us. So the first thing we have to understand in understanding hearing God's voice is we have to be his sheep. But secondly, we need to understand that those that don't hear I mean, don't hear, not just in little things, but I mean, don't hear unto salvation, are not his sheep. John 10, verse 24. 
John 10, verse 24. So we see here, Jesus says something very bold, very powerful. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him in verse 24 of John 10, How long does thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ to tell us plainly? <laughs> Jesus, you keep, you keep doing all this stuff, miracles and workings and all these things. If you're Jesus if, or if you're the Christ, would you just tell us? This is a pretty okay thing to ask, I guess. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. Uh, just word of warning, if you're going to ask Jesus a direct question, you may get a direct answer. And praise God for that, because sometimes we need direct answers. You know, Jesus, would you just tell us if you're the Christ? Yeah, I told you, you didn't believe. goes on to say this, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Again, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And that's a bold statement Christ makes. You believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. This is a bold statement that Christ makes. These people literally hear the words with their physical ears, but they don't discern them spiritually. Christ still preached to them. Christ still shared truth with them. Christ still served them, did miracles before them and for them. But yet they just didn't believe. A perfect example of this is a rich young ruler. Christ spends time with him, answering his questions, revealing the truth of the gospel. What must I do to be saved? What does the law say? Well, I've kept the law ever since I was a kid. And no, you haven't. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. That's not a con condemnation towards those who are rich. He was violating the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What was the rich young ruler's God? His money, his finances, his success. So Jesus said, what does the law say? Keep the law. I've kept the law. Okay, you think you've kept the law. Let me remind you of the heart of the first commandment. You actually put your wealth before me. Get rid of that. Come and follow me in submission, and you will find salvation. And the Bible says the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had great wealth. See, here's the thing. Some, you will witness to them, and they will never believe. And it's tragic, and it's heartbreaking, and it's and if it breaks our heart, it breaks the heart of the Father. Believe that much more. But the reality is we don't convert anyone. I don't save anyone. All we do is lay before them God's word and let the Holy Spirit of God work. And if they choose to repent of their sin and trust in Christ, they can and will be saved. But equally so, if they choose to reject the truth and ignore the grace of God and they die in their sin, the Bible is clear on this, that they have made their choice. And they will be separated from God for all of eternity. It's not God's fault. He offers them grace. See, here is Jesus just telling us the truth of it. Listen, there will be those who will never hear. And they won't hear because they're not really my sheep. But here's the reminder. We preach anyway. We preach anyway. We teach anyway. We share the gospel anyway. There is no place the gospel should not be preached. Because we have no idea how people will respond. We preach everywhere. And then we allow people a gracious opportunity to respond, and we pray they will. But when somebody rejects you or the gospel, it's not you that you have to fix that or talk them into it. You just lay God's word before them and let God work. So we need to understand that how do we hear the voice of God? Well, we must be his sheep. Those that refuse to hear may not even be his sheep. They may not be his sheep. So what about those that are followers of Christ? We are his sheep. We know Christ. But you would say that while you hear from God at times, the signal isn't always the best. For me, I think of any time I drive through Brown City. 
because Brown City hates AT&T. Like, they just hate them, like with a vehement, passionate hate. I will, the minute I cross Cade Road, gone. I get outside Cade Road, my phone blows up. Text messages, calls. Where were you? I was in Brown City. Oh. It's like anyone in this area knows. Brown City is a dead zone for all phone services, apparently. Okay? I don't even know what phone service they're using in Brown City. It must be dial-up or something. I don't even know. But how is the signal? That's what we're asking. When you, when you understand it that way, as a follower of Christ, how is the signal between you and God? Are there things that are interrupting the signal, interrupting the connection? See, we allow things to interrupt our connection to Christ at times in our lives. And so to hear from God, we have to first understand, are we his sheep? Are we his sheep? And then secondly, how's our connection? Because we allow things to interrupt our connection with Christ. Quickly, as we kind of wrap this down, this message, I need to understand, or I want you to understand rather as well, that there are things that cause us to lose our signal. Let me give you some examples. We hear, because we're his sheep, we hear, but choose another voice. We hear what God is saying from his word, but we choose another voice. One of the ways that our signal, our connection is interrupted between us and Christ. We see this with Adam and Eve. When you go back and study Genesis 3, you find out it wasn't the eating of the fruit that was the sin. It was the minute that Eve placed her faith and trust in the word of the serpent rather than the word of God. She heard what God said. Adam heard what God said. But Satan said something and they put their faith in the word of the serpent. They changed and listened to another voice. So we hear, but we choose another voice. Another interruption to our signal is we hear, but we doubt. We hear what God is saying, but we doubt. A good example of this would be the spies that were sent into Israel, into the promised land. Twelve, twelve spies were chosen all 12 go into the land. They were given one task, okay? And I'll ask you, were they supposed to either, A, go look at the land and go, yep, it's all God said it is. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's exactly what God promised. Or were they, B, supposed to go in the land, see if it's everything that God said it was, and then decide if they could overtake the land? The answer is A. All they were supposed to do was go in the land, it's pretty nice. Let's go home. Like that was all, that was it. Simple, easy. But the 12 spies get back. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, man, it's gorgeous. It literally flows with milk, milk and honey, which I don't even know what that means. I mean, I just imagine like Willy Wonka, like a river of honey. Like, I don't know. But the idea is it's plenteous. That's what it means. It's just plentiful. Okay. There's many blessings. It's beautiful. Okay. And as this is happening, they're talking about this. And Joshua and Caleb are like, yeah, we can do this. Let's, oh, let's go. It's everything God said. And then what's amazing is the other 10 spies go, it is everything God said it can be and should be, but we can't do anything about it because there's giants in the land. There's walled cities. We'll never overtake it. See, they heard from God, but they chose or allowed doubt to be the voice they listened to. We hear, but we doubt Another interruption to our connection is we hear, but we rebel. We hear, but we rebel. Study the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. He didn't just go away from what God said. He went the opposite direction of what God said. He rebelled from what God commanded him to do. He heard and rebelled. Another interruption could be that we hear, but we give in to fear. We hear, but we give in to fear. This example we see in the life of Peter when he's walking on water, which, by the way, take it easy when you pick on Peter, He's the only one other than Jesus to walk on water. So maybe we should just 
the, you know, the, the criticism a little bit. I can't believe Peter did that. Have you walked on water? No. Mm, okay. Truth, right? Why did he sink? It wasn't because God was less faithful to sustain him on the waters. It's because he took his eyes off the Savior, put his eyes on the storm, allowed the storm to dictate whether he could do what God called him to do, and he sank. And praise God, the Bible says, instantly Jesus was there to pull him up. See, sometimes we choose to give in to fear. And when you give in to fear and you feel like you're sinking, his perfect love will pick you up. He will not let you drown. See, these are just some basic interruptions that we go through. And we can be a mixture of all four of these at times in our lives. Again, this isn't to make us feel guilty. It's to awaken us to the amazing truth and the reality that God is speaking to us in spite of our weak signals at times. See, on his end, it's 100% perfect connection. On our end, we allow these little interruptions to disconnect that connection so we don't hear from God as we should. When he speaks, when he speaks to us, our connection's good. One more word of encouragement to you, if I may. When he speaks, let's realize it's more than hearing. To be a follower of Christ, to hear the voice of God, it's more than just hearing. James chapter 1, just one more verse or one more passage. James chapter 1. I want to look at just a couple more verses. So James, towards the back of the New Testament, right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter 1, verse 22. Familiar verse. We've, we've read this or heard this many times, I'm sure. But, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. See, this is the idea here. Don't be just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. That idea of looking into a natural face in a glass, it's looking into a mirror. Think of it this way. And I use this illustration all the time. When you were in high school and you had that date, right? And you was in the mirror, you know, you was getting all ready to go. And you're trying to like, you know, just do whatever. I don't know what guys do today. I knew a kid in college. He spent 45 minutes on his hair a kid in college who he spent 45 minutes on his hair and it came out looking just like as if I did it in two minutes. I don't know. I never saw a man use a blow dryer before. It was a really traumatic moment for me. I walked in the bathroom. I was like, and he's all up in there just like, what are you, you're a guy. What are you doing? Anyway, so some of you are like, I'm a man. I use a blow dryer. You want something to talk about? Nope, nope. Don't want to get into a fight over a blow dryer. It's fine. But imagine going on a date and you look in the mirror and everything's great. And then there you see it. Now, I'm not talking about a pimple. Some of y'all thinking pimple. Listen, that's just a part of life, okay? If you don't have to go on a date with a giant zit on your face, you, have you really lived? I don't think you have. And you're trying your best to pretend like it's not there. It's like a third eye looking out, like, what's up? Sorry. Um, that was not of God. That was total flesh. But you see, like, a giant, like, booger hanging there. It'd be like seeing it in the mirror and going, mm. Let's do this out the door. And you don't address it. You forgot what you saw. That's what the Bible compares. I mean, not with the, not specifically, but that's the idea, right? We look, we see what God wants to correct. We see the sin. We see the issues. We see the things and we go, looks good. And we're out the door. But the Bible says, no, but if you look into the perfect law of liberty, 
which is meaning that law of Christ, that idea of the freedom in Christ, that he will lovingly and graciously correct us and do what he's commanding us to do, not just hearing the words of God, but listening. And how do we demonstrate listening to God? By the act of obeying what God said. Obviously, I can hear your thoughts. Most of us would think things like this. I know I heard God speak, and I didn't obey. Or I haven't obeyed because I am fearful, unsure, doubting. The reality is you are not alone. You are not alone. I've heard God speak through his word and did not obey at times in my life. We will have, and that's why there's grace. It's not as though it's, oh, it's no big deal. No, it's a big deal when we don't obey God's word. But don't think your performance of obedience earns you your salvation. Grace will pick you up. Don't live defeated, but walk in Christ as his son or daughter. Because when God said to believe on him for the forgiveness of your sins, as a follower of Christ, you listened and you obeyed. We are all growing and maturing in our listening skills. So I want to encourage them this morning. I'm going to ask you right there where you are to just bow your head. We're going to spend some time in prayer this morning. And I want God to really speak to you. And as, as ever, however, he is trying to speak to you in whatever area, I pray that you'd respond. But I want to challenge you as you bow in prayer right there where you are, that you would just say, God, and if this is the cry of your heart, God, I know you spoke and I know I didn't obey. God, it's clear in your word what you want me to do. You want me to minister. You want me to serve. You want me to forgive. You want me to whatever. It's clear, God, I know what you're asking me to do, but man, God, I don't think I can do it. I'm afraid to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Whatever it is that God is or whatever it is that's interrupting that signal between you and God, I pray that you would just this morning say, God, I'm willing to lay it down. I'm willing to restore that connection to what it could be by your grace. Help me to obey. Maybe you're here this morning as you continue to pray, maybe you would, you're, you're full of guilt. You're, you're beating yourself up because you didn't obey. You're beating yourself up because you know what you should have done. And I want you to know God's not wanting you to do that this morning. You don't need to carry that shame and guilt any longer. You lay it at the foot of Christ and you say, Lord, I believe that you have saved me by your grace and I pray that you would keep me by your grace, that you would remind me that I don't need to be full of guilt or, or, or shame, but that today is a new day, that your grace and your mercy are new every morning. I pray I would learn from my past disobedience. I pray I would repent of that. I would turn from it. And I pray I'd obey you anew today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been frustrated and angry when people don't hear the word of God or when they don't respond in obedience to what God has asked us to do. Maybe we would realize that instead of getting mad at people who don't hear God's voice and don't do what God says, maybe instead of jumping all over them or trying to condemn them or talk them into anything, maybe we would realize that do they even know Christ? Has anyone ever shared the gospel with them? Has anyone ever lovingly and graciously invited them into a relationship with Jesus Christ that they could find eternal life? Father, help us to understand these different things in our lives and to apply them accordingly. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for speaking to us through your word this morning. Thank you for being the good shepherd who watches over us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As we spend some time in what we call an invitation this morning, just a chance for you to come and bend a knee and to pray. Let me just say this. If you know God is speaking to you about something and you're holding back, maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's a, a, another issue. I don't know. Would you come this morning? Just, just bend a knee and say, God, I'm ready. I'm done. I want to obey what you've asked me to do. 
Would you lead God and direct? Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him as we sing this morning?